Well, everybody, uh, my name is Tellus Fuller. I'm the youth pastor here on staff and really looking forward to sharing the word with us this morning. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 84. Psalms chapter 84. We're going to read three verses, one at the beginning and two at the end. The beginning and the end of Psalm chapter 84. Really simply says this. Psalm chapter 84, verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump down to verse 10. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. What I want to title this message today is the prize. The prize. And I want to speak about three things for the next couple minutes that we have together. One, the awareness. Two, the access. And three, the emphasis. The awareness, the access, and the emphasis. And specifically what I want us to focus on this morning is the prize being his presence. I want to talk about the presence of God for a few moments with us and what that means to us as a church, what that means to us as a people, what that means to you individually, and what we need to do <clears throat> to be aware of his presence, to access his presence, and then to emphasize his presence. So would you pray with me for a few minutes? Lord, we make ourselves available in this moment, God, for your presence to work, for you to be here. And Lord, one of your promises is that where two or more are gathered, you, Jesus, you said that you will be in the midst of them. Lord, we receive you in the midst of us. And Lord, we are saying right now that we value your presence. We choose your presence. God, we want to sit in your presence. God, we take a moment right now to acknowledge, to reflect, to meditate, and to prize your presence. Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Duke University <clears throat> did a study a few years ago, and it was all about habits. And what they were speaking about was that there are plenty of habits that we do throughout our entire day, and most of our day is actually done by habit. That most of what we do isn't conscious, but we do it because we've always done it. We get into a rhythm. We're creatures of habit. And as we approach a new year, we all have probably a few habits that we want to stop and a few habits that we want to start, right? We, we just inherently know that the beginning of something is a good opportunity to start differently. And Duke University had this study that actually was analyzing people's habits and how they wanted to change and how they wanted to grow and develop. And as they were studying, they realized and coined this term, came up with this idea of the keystone habit, 
The keystone habit. What is the keystone habit? The keystone habit is the habit, the thing that you do that affects everything else that you do. So this is the habit that if you want to be a more healthy individual, or let's say that you want to get a good sleep schedule, the uh, uh, result of that is not that you would um, uh, uh, um, get off your phone, it's not that you would just uh, stop drinking caffeine late at night, and it's not that you would stop watching um, Netflix, but a better sleep schedule would maybe say, um, take your phone out of your room, go to sleep at the same time every night, wake up at the same time every morning. There's one thing that you do that affects everything else that you do. If you're a, a basketball player and you want to uh, better your game, instead of going and trying to be a better defender, a better shooter, a better stealer, a better passer, maybe instead of doing all of those other things, what you actually just need is glasses. <laughs> that, that one thing will affect the rest of the things. Maybe you're in the position where you're trying to manage comparison and you're saying, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to this podcast and, and, and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to look better so I feel better about myself and, and I'm going to buy this car so that I feel like I fit in with the people that I want to fit in with. But the keystone habit might say, just delete social media. That there's one thing that affects everything. There's a keystone habit. Instead of doing everything to ensure change, just do one thing to ensure change. The keystone habit, the thing that affects everything else. I believe that the keystone habit, at least for this church, this year, is the presence of God. The one thing that affects everything. The presence of God, if we allow it, can be our keystone habit that affects every other area of your life. And this is something that has to be valuable to us. Why? Because our prize must be his presence. The prize of our lives, the prize of our families, the prize of this church, the prize of this moment, the prize of this service must be his presence. And if we prize his presence, I believe that keystone habit, that one thing that affects everything, will ensure a successful spiritual journey, life, faith, and walk for you this year. When you prize his presence. It's the, the keystone habit. And here's the thing, that we all want to do amazing things. And that's amazing. It's great. It's good. God put desires and passions and talents on the inside of you. And some of us might want to move up in business or maybe start a business. Some of us might want to make an impact in our community. Some of us might want to leave a legacy that goes beyond us. Some of us might want to raise up a family that honors God. Some of us might want to do something special in our communities that have invested so much in us. Some of us might want to have something that goes not just in the temporary, but in the eternal. And all of those things are amazing. And the way that we achieve those goals that God has placed inside your heart is that we prize his presence. Because you have one goal above everything else. And that goal is not leaving a legacy. It's not getting more money. It's not getting more followers. It's not being more no notorious. It's not getting another degree, not being more powerful. It's his presence. And when you have his presence, that is the goal. 
And it's the prize. And it's the prize that affects everything else. And it's the beautiful thing that even, even though it's your trophy, it's also your pursuit and it's also your sustenance and it's also your joy that when you get it, you're not satisfied because you said, now that I have it, Lord, you've given it to me freely and I also want more. It's a cycle. It's this revolving door that I, I'm going after his presence and yet I have his presence. It's, it's, it's our prize. Our biggest aim should not be higher levels of achievement, greater levels of success, more um, 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 uh, achieve, uh, uh, deeper um, um, uh, or higher levels of, of, of uh, business goals and things that we've achieved in our lives. It can't just be higher. It needs to be deeper. Our spiritual life cannot just simply be more of this. It has to be deeper in Christ. And as we go deeper in Christ, I believe that his presence will meet us there in our prize. Truly, if it's not in our hearts yet, we will learn to prize his presence. And that means one specific thing, that we need to start measuring by a different metric. That we've learned to measure success, achievement, and setting goals and accomplishing goals in a certain type of way. That if I got this grade point average, then I'm successful. If I went to this school, I'm successful. If I have this salary, I'm successful. If I live in this neighborhood, I'm successful. If I wear these clothes, if I have this followers, if I'm in this relationship, if I do these things, if I'm sponsored by this person, if I have these things achieved by this age, if I have that family and I don't look like this family, then I'm, I'm successful. But I believe that we need to measure by a different metric. We can't keep measuring success of our life by culture comparison and cash. We need to start measuring by his presence. When you measure by culture, you're going to be disappointed. When you measure by comparison, you will be disappointed. When you measure by cash, you will be disappointed. But when you measure by his presence, you can't be disappointed. I want to talk about three things, awareness, access, an emphasis, awareness, access, and emphasis, because this is a season, I truly believe, where God is calling us deeper into his presence, not just higher, not just more. And here's the thing about his presence. It's, 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 it's one of those things where we use the term, God, give me more of your presence. I want more of you. If you're a follower and a son and a daughter of God, you can't have more of God than you already have. You have God. And I get the sentiment, I get the language. I'm not saying we should stop using that language. I'm trying to frame it rightly for us that you cannot have more of God. God is not giving you a quarter of himself and then saying, do a little bit more work and then you'll earn a half of God. And then you do a little bit more work and you'll earn three fourths of God. And then you do a little bit more work and then you'll be full of God. You have all of God. What God is asking us to do is now access deeper. We have him. Now the question is, are you accessing fully all that you have in him? You have the key. Are you opening the door? You can't get more of God, but we can go deeper in him. We have a revelation, more revelation of the grace and the power, the presence. We can become more aware of God. Psalm 84, Charles uh, um, Spurgeon says this. This is the pearl of the Psalms. He says, if the 23rd Psalm be the most popular, the 103rd Psalm be the most joyful, 
the 119th psalm be the most experimental, the 51st psalm be the most plaintive, then this psalm is the most sweet. It's the, the sweetest psalm, Psalm 84. Our prize has to be his presence. And when we become aware of his presence, we realize, if you look through Scripture, that his presence marks his people. That God's presence marks his people uniquely, differently than anything else. And his presence is the prize. It is the target. It is the goal for us. And it's hard to hit the target when you don't know what you're aiming at. And some of us have been aiming at so many different things and we're wondering, man, my Christianity just feels difficult. It feels hard. It feels forced. I don't know what to do. And here's the truth of the matter is that if you don't know what you're supposed to be aiming at, it's really hard to hit the target. And the target for us is his presence. It's that God would be here, that we would be aware of him, that he would be close to us. And when we prize his presence and know that that's the goal, that's the aim, that's my ambition, that's where I look for, that's what I'm shooting at, that's what I'm walking towards. It's very, it makes, it doesn't make your Christianity easy, but it does make it simple. And that it's not complicated, but it might be hard. It might be hard. It's, I'm not saying that it's easy to be a Christian. I'm saying that it's simple to be a Christian. I follow and trust Jesus. I'm searching for his presence. I'm prioritizing and making the prize of my life the presence of God. And here's the thing, that everything that you need is found in his presence. And dare I say, I'm going to go a step further, that everything that you want is found in his presence. I'm going to show it to you. You're looking for joy in this life. You just feel like there's some happiness, contentment, joy that you're looking for in his presence. Psalm 1611 is the fullness of joy. You're looking for rest. This year has beat you up. You're trying to figure out how can you just take a, a soul sigh? How can you just breathe deeply and not feel anxious? I'll prove it to you. Exodus 33, 14, my presence will go with you and it will give you rest. If you're looking for some beauty in your life and you're looking for something to matter and something to gaze at and something to hold your attention, let me just point you to Psalm 27, 4. One thing that I have asked of the Lord, David says, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. The Lord is beautiful. If you're looking for freedom, it says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you're looking for a guide and for someone to show you where to go, let me point you to Psalm 23, that he leads me into the paths of righteousness for his namesake. If you're finding yourself lost and you don't know where to find God, I'll point you to Psalm 139. It says that his presence is with you wherever you go. If I make my bed in the depths of Sheol, you're there. If I rise to the highest heaven, you're there. Where can I flee from your presence, David says. I would say that the presence of God is everything that you're looking for. And in the presence of God, you will find everything that you even want. The presence of God has to be our prize. And this isn't about going higher 
that is saying that we need to be louder, that we need to be flashier, that we need to be bigger, that we need to be more important, that we need to do more. No, no, no. That is the culture and that is the temptation of the world. What the presence of God is, is that I'm going to slow down. I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to be quieter. I'm going to be humbler. I'm going to get lower. I'm going to go into the presence of God. Did you know that the presence of God is actually the most unique marking of God in your life? We'll go to Exodus 33. Israelites come out of Egypt, and uh, Israelites are tripping, like they always do. And as they're freaking out, Moses is just like, man, this is just crazy. Uh, it's just not that much fun anymore. Like we're, 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 Moses is still having a great relationship with God. He's talking to him like he talks with a friend. And then they're about to move on into the promised land. And then Moses comes up to God and he says, man, we got to go. And God says, man, y'all can go. I'll send an angel with you guys. Exodus 30, I'll send an angel with you guys. And Moses says, whoa, 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 whoa. no, 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 you, you have to go with us. And God is like, man, y'all are kind of crazy and, and blah, blah, blah. And I don't really know. Y'all have been really disobedient. And, Lord is, and Moses says this. He says, he says, Lord, what will make us different and distinct in the earth? Exodus thirty three sixteen. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? The most unique part about your faith is that God is with you. That's the most distinct part of it, is that the Lord promises to be with you. And when we are aware of that truth, that the Lord is with you, it changes everything. It changes the way that I live. It changes the way that I interact with people. It changes the way that I work. It changes my priorities. It changes my dreams. It changes my goals. It changes the way that I enjoy life. It changes the way that I go through suffering. Knowing that I have the most unique thing in the entire universe that the presence of God chooses to be with me. Not because I worked for it, not because I've earned it, but because of his grace. We receive the grace of his presence. And the most unique thing about your Christianity is that your Lord is with you. This year, it's not about going higher, not about being more impressive, not about getting more money, being more important. This is about going deeper into his presence. And to deeper into his presence, we've talked about awareness, now we talk about access. Talking about accessing his presence. The beautiful thing, I'll tell you this church, hope it encourages you. You have access to the presence of God. You have access to the presence of God. That truth changes you. You as a son and a daughter have access to almighty God. And as we approach him, we'll just get into it. Part of our issue is that um, sometimes we think that the presence of God is a feeling. We, we, we say, if I have the goosebumps, if they play the song, um, if, if the pastor is screaming, there's a piano, then I feel the presence of God. 
Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just like to scream. But when the, when the pastor is screaming and the piano is playing, I feel the presence of God. And here's the thing. Those emotions and feelings and songs and moments and goosebumps and tears, those are great. And I'm saying that's absolutely fantastic. And what I'm saying is that the presence of God is not a feeling. And it's not less than a feeling. We just can't boil it down to my goosebumps and my tears and the chills. To say that's when God showed up is when I felt it. No, 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 no. God was always there. You were made aware of him. He graced you with the awareness of his presence. Now, because, not just, it's not just that the, the, the feeling of his presence isn't the determining factor, but the issue is when we confuse the experience with the encounter. And because I experienced something, now that was the validation that the Lord was there. That will jack you up because you're always going to think, if I didn't have goosebumps, where's God? Why is he far away? I feel like he's not close as he used to be. And we're going to start managing and assessing our Christianity based off of our feelings. We cannot confuse the encounter with the experience. It is a grace of God when we feel the experience. And y'all know me. I love the experience. Don't let me host because I love the experience. I love the feeling. I love the music. I love our worship team. I love the emotions and what God, I feel like God is giving me in that moment. And I don't boil it down to that. But the Lord's encounter and how we access that isn't just about feelings. Verse 1, Psalm 84, how lovely is this dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. <laughs> how lovely is his dwelling place, O the Lord of hosts. He's saying that it's sweet. It's beautiful. It's awesome. So it's not an issue that we enjoy the presence of God. It's a good thing that we enjoy the presence of God. And that it affects us emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. That the presence of God affects you is good. We see in the Psalms that it affects them. It's lovely. They are overtaken. They're consumed. They're in awe of. They like it. They're enjoying the presence of God. And it's more than that. And we see that it's sweet. It's pleasurable. You see, the, 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 the 84th Psalm is not written by David. It's written by these uh, brothers, these, these family called the Sons of Korah. And the Sons of Korah um, are some of the few people who've written some of the Psalms. Now, David, King David, did write a majority of the Psalms, but some are written by Asaph, some are written by the Sons of Korah, some are even written by Moses, we see. And so we see that the Psalms really are, 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 are poems and songs written spiritually prayers towards God. And we see that the sons of Korah write a few of them, and one of their most famous is this psalm, Psalm 84. But the sons of Korah have a really interesting history because they didn't just start showing up and writing psalms and, and writing beautiful poetry and, and writing prayers to God. Really, they have a pretty scary history because their dad, Korah, actually was with Moses. Moses was the guy who brought all of the Israelites out of Egypt. And as he's bringing them out of Egypt, again, spoiler alert, the, the Israelites are tripping. And as they're tripping, the sons of Korah don't like, or sorry, Korah himself doesn't like how Moses is leading the people. 
And so he literally, he and his friends cause an uprising. We find in number 16, they cause an uprising. And they start to try and overthrow Moses because he, they don't like how he's leading. In turn, Moses spending time with God, they don't like how God is leading. They think that they need more. They don't like Moses and Aaron, the high priest and the, uh, uh, um, the prophet Moses, the deliverer who brought them out of Egypt. They don't like them. So they cause this uprising. Well, what happens is Moses says, you don't want to do that. Please don't do that. This is a really, really bad idea. What happens, long story short, Korah and all of his friends who caused this uprising end up perishing because they essentially revolt against the Lord himself. The earth opens up and swallows them whole, it says. Tragic. And then we see that the sons of Korah are people who write psalms. That's encouraging if you have a bad family history. If you look back in your family lineage, you look back at your great, 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 whatever, and you say, man, I don't know, it's just in my family. This should be encouraging to you. Because here's the thing. God judged Korah, but God had mercy on the sons of Korah. And I can't help but think maybe that the sons of Korah found the presence of God so lovely because they experienced so much of God's mercy. They surely heard stories of their great-great-grandpa. No, you don't, don't, no, so he did this. You don't want to do that. God, the, literally God, he, he judged them because they were revolting against the Lord himself. He, the, the earth swallowed them up whole. And here's the thing, God spared you. He spared you. The rest, he spared you. And here's the thing. They might have accessed the presence of God through his mercy. <laughs> Some of us think we only access the presence of God through our worship. But I think the sons of Korah access the presence of God through his mercy. When you think about how merciful God has been to you, you can't help but experience the presence of God. When you think about how much God has had mercy on you and your family and you think about where you should have been and the life that you used to live and the things that you used to do and where you used to be on a Sunday morning in college because you were recovering from Saturday night in college and you think about all of the things that God has actually kept from you in terms of judgment, you actually might be like the sons of Korah who might say, how lovely is the presence of God. And you realize that we experience his presence through his mercy. Maybe, just maybe, God is trying to get you to experience the prize of his presence by withholding his judgment and extending his mercy to you. Access. Or maybe you might realize that um, another way to access his presence is actually through thanksgiving. One way you can access the presence of God is through his mercy. Another way you could access the presence of God is through thanksgiving. I'll show it to you. In Psalms 100 verse 4, I enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Which says to me, I enter the key to God's presence. I approach him. The way that I get close to God is I am grateful. That is the door to the presence of God is gratitude. 
And when I am grateful towards God and everything that he's done, which probably will be connected to the mercy that he's shown me, I'll realize that I can enter into the presence of God boldly because I am so very grateful for everything he's done for me, everything that he's been to me. When I think about who I was and I think about who I am, gratitude fills my heart and I can't help but enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Then we get to the second part of the verse. I enter into his gates with thanksgiving and I enter into his courts with praise. This is the part that we're probably most used to is that we get to the place where, yeah, uh, the presence of God, praise and worship, the presence of God, that's probably what we associate it with. When you think about the times when you've experienced the presence of God the most, you're probably thinking about a time of worship. You're probably thinking about a time of praise and worship and prayer, maybe from the worship team, maybe from a conference you went to, Maybe it was a concert and it was a Christian worship set. I don't know, but a lot of us probably have the most powerful experience with God with praise and worship. Why? Because when we enter into his gate with thanksgiving, then we get even closer to his presence with praise. I enter into his courts where God is staying, where he's dwelling. I get even closer to God by lifting him up. The scripture says, as we lift him up, he will draw close to us, which means as I glorify God and as I praise him, as I worship him, which is to ascribe worth to something, as I ascribe worth to God, not making him worthy, but realizing his worthiness, now I actually get the benefit of drawing closer to him. That's the benefit of your worship. That's the benefit of you praising God and us coming into this place. And next week, I hope that you realize, actually this Friday, I hope that you realize that we're going to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. And when we enter this way, we realize his presence and it becomes so real to us. That's how we access the presence of God. Maybe it's through mercy for you. Maybe it's through thanksgiving to to you and and through gratitude. Or maybe it's through praise and worship. (laughs) I was, when I first came on staff here, uh, I'd been in this church my whole life. And I remember getting my first, like, pair of, like, keys, right, to the building. And I thought it was so cool just because, like, and I've been here my whole life, so I always could walk in, right? But I thought it was super cool because, like, I had the keys now. And I was like, okay, great. I can, like, get in whenever I want. And I can do this. And I remember when I first came on staff, what, what uh, happened is whenever I wanted to go and have a meeting with dad or needed to see dad, I always asked somebody, hey, like, can you let me into his office? Can you let me into his office? Can you, can you help me out? Like, I need to get and go talk to dad, blah, blah, blah. And after a few weeks of this, uh, somebody noticed, and the man who gave me the keys, I think it was Pastor Sean at the time, Pastor Sean gave me the keys, and he was like, hey, did you know that your keys open your dad's office? I was like, what? What? No, I didn't know my key. And he was like, I was like, did everybody? He's like, no, not everybody's keys. Open your dad's office, but yours do. Like, you're his son. So I figured, yeah, your keys should probably be able to open your dad's office. And I was like, oh, this is great. And then I realized, I was like, man, I've been wasting y'all's time so often asking you guys, can you let me in? 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 And I wondered, do some of us realize that you have keys to your dad's office? Ephesians. 312, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Which means that you, by your faith, have the keys to the presence of God. 
And some of us are still bothering the pastor and the worship leader saying, can you let me in? 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 We're going to a sermon. Can you let me in? We're going to a, can you let me in? We're going to a podcast. Can you let me in? When somebody just needs to shake you and tell you, you have the keys. Your faith is the key to get into the presence of God. And it says in Ephesians, with boldness, we can come into that place. When I go into my dad's office, I'm not like, excuse me, sir. Um, I know you're a busy man and you probably have way more important things to do than care about your son. I know you probably have way more important things to do than care about what I think. But here's, um, I just wanted to know, like, can, can we talk for a minute? Some of us go to go, my dearest father, I know my house is being foreclosed on. I know that I lost my job. I know that nothing is right. I know that I haven't been in the gym in a year. I know that my car just broke down. But dearest father, if you would spare a minute. And here's the thing, we, we approach God with this really strict um, 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 organized, strategic, planned out prayer instead of coming to him with boldness and being like, hey, God, I need you. And some of us come to this place where we are not really sure. I'm not sure if we understand the full access that you have to the presence of God and the boldness at which you can come to him. Why? Because Paul teaches us that we have not been given the spirit of fear, but we've actually been given the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, which means now I don't have to be concerned with the way that I come to my dad. I have the keys by faith to enter into the room and say, Dad, I need you, and I'm not concerned about me being too prim and proper. I'm just going to go to my dad and say, I need to talk to you. There's a confidence that we go into his presence with. You have the keys to the presence of God. You don't need to keep asking the worship team to let you in. And I love our worship team. You don't need to keep asking the pastor to let you in, even though I love our pastors. You don't need to keep going to a sermon or a podcast or that Maverick City album to let you in. You have the access to the presence of God. It's by faith. It's by faith that we enter into the presence of God awareness of the presence of God, the access to the presence of God, and the emphasis of the presence of God. As I close, Stephen, you can come up. It says we need to understand as, as the presence of God is our prize, as the presence of God is our goal. I love what Pastor June says. He said that the presence of God is our success, that we are successful when we have the presence of God. If we measure by nothing else, my year, my day, my month, my family, my work, my habits, my free time, they'll be successful if I have the presence of God. And as we move into this year, I want us to emphasize the presence of God. Every time we gather together, I want us to emphasize the presence of God. That means when we come into this building, I want us to anticipate and glorify, ascribe worth to, and prioritize the presence of God. Which means if you need to come in here receiving mercy upon mercy upon mercy, do it. 
If you need to come to this building giving thanks upon thanks upon thanks, do it. If we need to go and we need to give praise upon praise upon praise, then do it. Because the presence of God, the awareness of God, the access of God, we need to emphasize the prize, which is his very presence. This year, if I could pray one thing for our church, is that we would emphasize the presence of God. We would prize it above everything else. And as we do that, we come to this realization and the truth that man, us, we in this forum right here, right now, we set the table for the presence of God, but it's the Lord himself who prepares the meal. That I host him. I do the very best I can to say, Lord, use this space. Use this church, use this man, this sinful man, would you use me? And he shows up so faithfully. And as he shows up so faithfully, I'm not concerned with the meal because I know that's not my job. Whatever he wants to bring to this moment, he brings to the moment and I receive it with open hands. And I'm like, Lord, however you want to come, I just want you to be here. I set the table for the Lord. He prepares the meal. We gather together in faith, but it's the Lord that gives us the tangible manifestation of his presence. Why is that important? It's because I don't change things. God does. Our worship team doesn't change things. God does. A simple song doesn't change things. God does. The words that I'm speaking, they don't change things. God does. If God's presence isn't here, this is a TED talk. It doesn't matter. You're going to leave here, you're going to go to brunch, and you're probably going to be like, that was cool. But it doesn't matter eternally, right? Like, it doesn't matter. It matters because I'm, I'm trying to host his presence. And when I host his presence... When I host his presence, I say, Lord, would you prepare the meal? Would you sustain us? Would you supply what we need? And as you come into this building, my prayer is that you would say, Lord, I want to host your presence. When you go into work, my prayer is that you say, Lord, I want to host your presence. When you go home into your family, into your dorm room, into that classroom, into that team, when you go out for happy hour, I'm asking that you would say, Lord, I want to host your presence. And Lord, whatever meal that you want to bring, God is the meal that I want to eat. Your presence, it says, is fullness of joy. And he says in the Psalms, the son of Korah, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. How would they know that unless they've been there? And they've been there. And they said, I've been a lot of places. And there's one, that, there's one that supersedes them all. Some of us have that testimony. I've been a lot of places. I've experienced a lot of things. I've had a lot of success. And there's one thing that I want over everything else. And that's the presence of God. 
And that's to be with him and dwell with him and experience him forever and ever and ever and ever. Verse 2 literally says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. I don't know how desperate you are for the presence of God, but I pray we get there, that there in that place that I am fainting. I need it. I'm desperate for it. It's my sustenance. It gets me up in the morning. It pushes me throughout the day. It takes me to sleep at night. This is the thing that I, I faint for is the presence of God. And this is the truth is that when we encounter the presence of God, everything changes. Everything changes. It's the last thought, and this is the thought that wrecked me, is that the presence of God is God. The presence of God is God. He didn't send this, this, this dust. He didn't send goosebumps. He's not sending chills. He's sending himself. The presence of God is God. And God could have chosen to send anything. Jesus ascends. He's crucified. He's raised from the dead. He gives them the Holy Spirit. He says, unless I go, the counselor, the helper, the paraclete won't come. It's better for you that I leave so that he might come. Jesus ascends into the clouds. Then the Holy Spirit falls on us. We are become the church. Acts happens. We are filled with the Spirit. Jesus says, now, wherever you go, when you baptize people in my name, I will be with you everywhere you go, even till the end of the age. We now have him. He gave us himself. And here's why that matters. It's because in the Old Testament, we find the temple. And the temple is the presence of God. It's the temple that Solomon built to glorify God. And it was intricate and it was beautiful. And there was gold and there were courts, inner and outer. There were places where people could go and people couldn't go. It was structured and it was beautiful. And we find here that the Old Testament temple was the dwelling place of God, but not everyone could get into the presence of God. If you wanted to get into the presence of God, you had to be in a certain place. You had to be in Israel. And even in Israel, then you had to be in Jerusalem. And even in Jerusalem, you had to be in the temple. And in the temple, then you had to be in the courts. And in the courts, then you even had to be in the holy of holies. You had to be in a certain place. You had to be a certain person. If you wanted to experience the full presence of God, you had to be a Jew. And even at that, then you had to be a Levite. And even at that, you had to be a priest. And even at that, you had to be the high priest. You had to be a certain person. And then there was a certain process. Because then at that, it had to be a certain day. And then it couldn't be any day. It had to be one day, the day of atonement. And even at that, you had to go in saying a certain word. And we find that the temple, the very presence of God, had so many different ways to access, but it was one person on one day in one place. And then Jesus died. And when Jesus died, it says that the veil was torn. And now we all have access to the temple of God. And now... It's not a certain place. Jesus says where two or more are gathered, I'm going to be there. And now it's not a certain person. 
You don't have to be a Levite in the high priest. We have been made his royal priesthood. And now it's not a certain way. But now we can come to him with boldness however we want. And that's why Paul can write in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And now I don't have to come in all these specific as a certain person, in a certain way, in a certain time, in a certain place. But now the presence of God follows me wherever I go. And now what was once off limits, and especially to us when we had to be far, far, far away. Because Jesus died, those who were far, far, far away from the presence of God are now the very host of him. The presence of God marks his people. The presence of God is the prize of his people. Would the presence of God be the prize of our church? What we see now, it's not a certain type of way. It's not a certain type of place. It's not a certain type of person. But because of the God-man, Jesus, now we have the prize of his presence. No matter the person, no matter the place, no matter the process. Would we prize his presence, church, above everything else? Would you pray with me? And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Would you add your faith to this moment? Lord, we prize your presence as a church. Truly, Lord, indefinitely, actually, right now, we choose to prize your presence as a church. (laughs) Who am I that you would be mindful of me? And yet you are. Lord, we come into your, come to the gates with thanksgiving, Lord. And we enter your courts with praise. Saying glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Wow. The whole earth is filled with your glory, Lord. God, and we recognize in this moment, God, would you convict our hearts? Would you reveal to us, God, in your grace what it means to prize your presence above everything else? And Lord, as we pursue it, as we go after it with reckless abandon, as we sprint towards your presence, as we fall faint without your presence, Lord, would you fill us up, Lord? Would it be the prize of our soul is the presence of our Savior? God, and as a church, we devote ourselves to your presence this year. We devote ourselves to your presence this year. We devote ourselves to your presence this year. And Lord, would you be with us on a regular basis, noon and night, God, morning and day and evening. Lord, everywhere that we go, would we understand, God, what Pastor Miata said this morning, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.